What's up, Hope City Church? How we doing? You look good today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my name is Jason, and I am the, the pastor here at the church, and uh, we're just honored. It's a big deal that you're here with us, so thank you for being here today. We are in week four of a series called How to Hear God's Voice. We like to teach through series, take an idea, and, and talk about it from some different angles over several weeks, and this series it's called How to Hear God's Voice, where we're looking in the Bible for different ways that God speaks to you and me. Now, we know, and even if you're not a huge believer, even if your faith level is pretty low, when you read the Bible, it is obvious throughout the Bible that God is speaking to people in the Bible. The challenge for us sometimes is believing that God wants to speak to us the same ways that he spoke to, to the people in the Bible. But this series is, is really saying that not only does he, but, but that God is speaking to us all the time. Now, as I say that, if that freaks you out a little bit, um, it shouldn't. It shouldn't because it, it's true. God is speaking to you, and God is speaking to me, and he has a message. He has messages that he's trying to get to you and, and me. Now, when we say God speaking I don't know, you know, how you were raised, what your religious background is, what brought you to this point today. Some people are more comfortable with that type of terminology than others. But when we say God speaking, we're not necessarily talking about the audible voice of God. We're not, we're not talking about God speaking uh, in a way that you hear someone talking to you, uh, even though God can speak to us in that way. We've said each week in this series that there's a fine line there because you know, they'll lock you up if you start claiming to hear voices, okay? And we get that. But we're not just talking about the audible voice of God. I've been following Jesus for 18 years. Uh, I, I humbly say each week in this series, I've kind of set this up to say that humbly, like I, I spend a lot of time with Jesus, read my Bible, pray. I've never in 18 years following Jesus ever heard the audible voice of God. But the beautiful thing about this series is that we have been looking at other ways that God speaks to us that we can find in the Bible other ways that God speaks to us besides the audible voice of God. And, uh, and let me give those to you. There are six ways we've been talking about. We, we've talked about the Bible, that God speaks through the Bible, that God speaks through desires. Pastor John preached on that in the, in the second week. God speaks through people. Today, I'm gonna be speaking about God speaking through doors, and then we have two more weeks, promptings and pain that the Bible shows us consistently that these are six ways that God speaks to you and to me. And so today, we're gonna to talk about doors. Everybody say doors. Everybody knows what a door is. A door is something that we walk through. It's those defining moments in life when we go from one place to another, one season to, to another. Sometimes the doors in our life are obvious. Sometimes, you know, it, it's a no-brainer. It's a new relationship that, uh, that we know is, is providential, that's significant. It's a new job that we can recognize in the moment is providential and significant. But most of the time, the doors, the significant doors that open or close in our lives, we're not able to see or know the significance of them in the moment. In hindsight, it makes perfect sense. 
Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked back on your life and played like supernatural connect the dots where you just know that like, oh yeah, that, that makes total sense how we got to, to where we are. But in the moment, in the moment it doesn't. An open door in our life, an open door could be taking on an extra small assignment at work and without realizing it, that small responsibility leads us to a new place or a new opportunity that we never imagined would be possible. So many successful entrepreneurs today, when they tell their story, their story starts by saying, well, I was working this other job and my boss asked me to sell copiers. And then the next thing you know, it, it grew into something or coffee beans or some little, little open door that didn't seem like much, but it grew into something. Uh, an open door could be a new relationship that doesn't seem that significant at the time, but as you look back, you realize that the person that you met romantically or through friendship or at work really walked and led you to a door or walked through something that was very significant. And so now, based on where you are, you would say, I would not be where I am today without so-and-so. You would say that person's name. But every door in our life is not necessarily an open door. Some doors are, are closed doors. And these are those painful moments in life when we thought we were going somewhere, but had the door slammed in, in our face. A closed door could be the end of a relationship that we never saw coming. It could be the end of a job that you thought was secure. It could be the end of a pregnancy or the end of a marriage that, that rips your heart out. But whether doors are, are closed or open, the circumstances of our life that, that cause us to look up to God, the, these circumstances that happen to us, they cause us to look to God, no matter how spiritual we are, even if you're here today and you don't even have a relationship with Jesus, here's what I know about you and I know about me, that the circumstances in our lives cause us to look up to God and to ask for, for a sign. We want a sign from God. If you've ever seen, seen the movie Bruce Almighty, there's that famous scene where Jim Carrey is driving down the road and he's not sure what to do and he's saying, God, give me a sign and all these signs are appearing and, and, and all of us have asked God for a sign before. Some kind of confirmation. God, let me know that you hear me. God, let me know that you're there. One of the favorite movies of the Isaacs house is Monsters, Inc. I don't know how many kids you've raised, but you know, when you're raising multiple kids, you cycle through the movies again with each kid. And so Monsters, Inc. has been on round three lately, and uh, it's probably my favorite Pixar movie, actually. And if you don't know about Monsters, Inc., it's really just about these, these monsters in this other animated universe that have these doors that when the doors are hooked up to these frames in, this, in the mainframe, in the system, the doors open up into children's bedrooms to scare them because that's how they get energy. And now that I'm saying it, it sounds crazy, but it's a great movie, so <laughs> just trust me. But here, here's why I say that, because if the door is not hooked up to the system, it doesn't do anything. And I think there's, that, that's kind of a beautiful picture of, of there are things that we go through in life, but then there are those supernatural moments, those supernatural doors that we walk through or those supernatural doors that, that close. And all of us, we want a sign. We want some kind of confirmation that we're doing the right things or that we're going in, in the right 
direction. And, and God's speaking to us through doors and through, and through signs. It's really kind of the basic language of God. It's those yes and no's. That we want God to speak to us, and God, will you give me a yes or will you give me a no? You ever prayed that prayer? Should I take this? Should I do this? Give me a yes or a no. And doors are an important way that God speaks to us, but it's different than the Bible. We talked about that the first week, the, the ultimate way that God speaks to us. It's different than the Bible or people or promptings because it's less certain. It's more guesswork. It requires more, the, the Bible word would be discernment. It, it requires us more to kind of read into things and try to figure things out. And as a pastor, one of the most popular meetings that people schedule with me is, I had this thing happen. What do you think this means? And I usually have to say, I have no idea what that means. I, I, I don't know. I'm afraid to guess, honestly. Um, but, but that's how we're always trying to gauge, like, what did that mean? Was that significant? I had this dream, I had, and we're, we're trying to figure that out. And in a way, I think it would be fair to us for us to say this morning that doors is kind of like God's sign language to us. That, that, you know, people and promptings and desires and all those things, like God's speaking to us in this give and take conversation back and forth to him. But in a way, what we're talking about today, God speaking to us through doors, is really God speaking to us through sign language. Now, maybe this has happened to you. Let me give you a few examples. You're working a job that you hate. Don't raise your hand. But it's paying the bills and you need the money. So quitting, unfortunately, is not an option. But you're looking for a new job. You don't tell anything, you don't say anything to your boss. But while you're sitting at the desk of the job you hate, you're searching for jobs that you would love. And so you are sending out resumes and you're putting in calls, desperately searching for a job but you're getting nothing back. You're hearing nothing back. You're getting no calls back and you're not sure what's going on and, and, and you wonder, does God want me to work a miserable job? Is this God's plan? If we wonder, is there something we could do to get on God's good side so that he could get us a good job, right? And maybe on the way into or driving home from the office, you have prayed a prayer that sounds something like this. God, I need to know that you're trying to help me. I need to know that you know where I am and I need to know that you know how miserable I am right now. God, will you give me a sign? Something. Just, just maybe, maybe even like one call back or one interview just to let me know that you care. Maybe you've had that conversation with God. Or what about this? You're, you're trying your best to follow Jesus and you wanna live right but you're getting incredibly lonely. And when you weren't following Jesus, you had no problem finding somebody to go on a date with. But now that you're only looking for a man who loves Jesus, the options seem non-existent. And you're growing restless because you're lonely and you wonder why God wouldn't want you to find a husband. Let's just be honest, you're a way better catch than all your girlfriends who already have somebody. And so you're wondering what's going on. And maybe after another awful date or another Friday night on your couch, you have prayed a prayer that sounds something like this. God, why haven't you given me a husband yet? 
Could you give me a sign? Could, could the man of my dreams walk into the church Sunday and I'm the only one who sees him? Please, please, God, will you let me know that I won't be alone forever? Maybe you've prayed a prayer like that. Let, let me give you one more. We could keep going. Let me give you one more. Maybe you've been renting for a few years or you're living in a small house and your family's growing and you desperately want to purchase a bigger home. And why wouldn't God want you to have a bigger home after all? And after jumping through all the hoops and looking at the houses, you finally find your dream home and wouldn't you know it, it's a price that you can afford so you give the bank all the paperwork and you start dreaming about your new home and you start pricing furniture and searching Pinterest and only to get a call from the bank that the loan fell through and you don't qualify or your house doesn't sell and you have prayed some, a prayer that sounds something like, God, why can't I get a bigger house, or God, why is it that nothing ever seems to work out for me? God, could you just let me know that, that, that this is going to work out? God, could you let me know in some way? Can you give me a sign, God? Is there like, like, a, like a, there's a, a house for sale that's a sign only for me, God? Maybe you've prayed that prayer. And we could keep giving examples because life's circumstances and opportunities cause us to want a sign from God. We could say that that's not smart or we could say that it's okay, but it really wouldn't matter because all of us in the room ask God for signs. And even Jesus, as he was walking around doing ministry, people were constantly walking up to Jesus and say, can you give me a sign? Give me a sign, give me a sign. And we wanna hear from him. We want to know what to do. And right up front, you need to know, just know, that there's nothing wrong with wanting a sign from God. The Bible is filled with examples of God giving signs. But the trap for us is that we would prefer God to only use signs. That's the trap. And we would love for him to communicate in that way because it's so much easier and it's so much more mystical and so much more fancy. And so it feels like that would be the best way for God to speak to us. How awesome would it be if like every decision we had to make in life, we just were able to roll dice and whatever the outcome was, we knew that was God approved. Or flip a coin and, and whatever the outcome was, we know that it's God approved. Or, or every time that we had a question, like God would, you know, put the formation of the clouds in the sky into yes or no, like that is what we would prefer because it would give us confidence and it would sound so amazing and spiritual and mystical, like yes. But the reason that God doesn't deal with us in signs primarily is because he would rather us know him more than we know what to do in life. And if he only used signs to communicate with us, then it removes intimacy from the equation. And what God would rather have is us to get to know him and to draw close to him. And so tragically and fortunately, so many times people will stop by the church or visit the church because they're going through something and they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself in this situation that you do not have a relationship with Jesus, but you desperately want God to give you a sign. I'm not saying that he won't give you a sign, but I am saying that he would rather you have a relationship with him than for him to give you a sign. 
So can the Bible fall off the bookshelf to the exact passage? Absolutely. Can, can, can there be uh, uh, the, the words, uh, you know, that you need to hear, you know, water stained on the brick wall? Absolutely. It could happen. It is biblical that those things do happen. But God wants a relationship with you more than he wants you to know exactly what to do. So let me give you two warning signs real quick. We're gonna get to our Bible story in just a second, but let me give you two warnings about wanting a sign from God real quick. Number one, a sign from God will always agree with the Bible. So if you walk into it, you've been going through financial trouble and you walk in the bank and the vault door is open, that's not a sign from God that you need to take the money. You feeling me? It's a sign. No, it's not a sign, okay? It's not a sign. You, you are lonely and a man who is unhappily married but married is flirting with you and you say, it's a sign. No, it's not a sign. We could keep giving examples, but the reality is that all of the signs would always line up with the Bible. The second warning is that God is our only source. We don't look to psychics. We don't look to horoscopes or fortune cookies, all right? We fall in love with Jesus and we trust his voice. So even as I've been putting this message together, I've had this little feeling in the pit of my stomach that because all of us in the room love a good mystical, you know, happening, that it gets us kind of excited because we, we try to put all these things together to read into something. Listen, God is our source. And so the Bible is evidence that he will speak to us in this way, but of all the ways, it's probably one of the least popular ways and he is our only source, okay? So, so not psychics and not, and not horoscopes and all that good stuff, okay? So as we talk about God speaking through doors and signs, I'm not talking about magic eight balls. I'm not talking about the figure of Mother Mary and burnt toast or fortune cookies. I'm talking about something way better, the guiding voice of God who loves us and wants what's best for us, okay? It's 100% okay to pray for God's direction and voice in our life, but we have to be careful, please hear me. We have to be careful that, that we don't try to open doors that God is closing and close doors that God is opening. Look at this Bible verse in Revelation 3. It'll be up on the screen for you, but this is verse seven. This is what it says. It says, this is the message from the one who's holy and true, the one who has the key of David. This is the point I want, part I want you to see. What he opens, talking about God, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. That's what we want in our life. And the temptation for us is to always assume that God wants what we want, but that's, that's why getting to know him is more important than knowing what we, what we should do because Pastor John showed us in week two that, that the closer we get to Jesus, the more we will want the right things. And that's another way that God speaks to us. So today, we're gonna read a story from the Old Testament. It's in the book of Numbers. If you have a Bible and you wanna read along, Numbers is just a few books in. You're not gonna have to go very far. But uh, when you start talking about God speaking to us uh, through circumstances and direction, you have to start with the most outrageous story in the Bible. It's about a man named Balaam, who at the time, Balaam, just to give you a little context, He's a prophet, and, and he speaks on behalf of God. And in the story we're about to read, there is a Moabite king, and he's trying to get Balaam to come and to pray a curse over the Israelite army. 
and his first attempt to get Balaam to come didn't work. Balaam turned down the offer. So the king decides to try again, and it's in, it's in Numbers chapter 22, starting with verse 15. We're going to read for a little bit. We'll stop occasionally and, and talk about it a little bit. But Numbers chapter 22, verse 15, starting with verse 15, here's what it says. Then, then Balak, which that's the Midianite king I was talking about. Then Balak tried again. This time he sent a larger number of even more distinguished officials than those he had sent the first time. And they went to Balaam and delivered this message to him. This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. I will pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Just come and curse these people for me. But Balaam responded to Balak's messengers. Even if Balak were to give me this palace filled with silver and gold, give me his palace with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. And I love verse 19. But stay here one more night and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. Now, uh, you, if you flip over, I'm not asking you to do this, but if you read, if you go to, in the New Testament, in 2 Peter, there's a book called 2 Peter in chapter 2, verse 15, Peter is writing and he actually talks about Balaam and here's what Peter says about Balaam, that he lost his way because he was greedy. That's what 2 Peter chapter 2 says. So as we're reading this story, we don't get the full context, but we do know enough to know that Balaam is kind of posturing here a little bit, like he's noble, super spiritual, but he's also getting a kick out of what he's being asked to do. So as we read this, we, we don't just read it like, like he is absolutely in the right place. We actually should read it like this. Balaam responds to Balak and says, I mean, even, I mean, even if... I mean, even if the king would even want to, like, give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could never do something like that. I mean, but I tell you what, let me pray about it. I'll, I'll go, that's, that's how we should actually read this. When you start studying some theology and some history, that Balaam is, at, it's like when somebody's complimenting you and you're like, stop it. Please don't say any more things. That's so, no, that's too much, honestly. And that's kind of what Balaam is doing right here. I mean, even if the king would even want to give me a palace filled with silver and gold, I, I don't even know if I could take it. I mean, I would, but I don't know if <laughs> I could take it. But I tell you what, let me pray about it. And, and I love this because I think it's a great lesson for all of us in the room that there are lots of times that, we're say, that we say we're praying about things when the truth is we've already made up our mind what we want to do. You know, most of the time when people come to me as their pastor and say, you know, I'm really just praying about it, that's not actually true. They, they've already decided what they want to do, but it sounds more spiritual and important to say that they're praying about it. Very rarely, very rarely in the 18 years that I've followed Jesus, in my own life and in the life as a pastor to people, very rarely when people tell me that they kind of want to do something but they're praying about it, very rarely do they ever come back to me and say, well, I really wanted to do it, but I know God said no, so I'm just not going to do it. We almost always go into it praying, saying, God, this is what I want to do, and this is probably what you want me to do too. Thanks. Good talk. Right? And that's kind of what Balaam is doing here. He, he's saying, 
let me go pray about it one more time. And in verse 20, it says, that night God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them. And here again, you gotta be careful as we're reading through this and look to some other sources, some history and some, some theology that in just a second, we're gonna see that God is angry with Balaam for going. But here it says that, that God says to him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them. And history and theology and, and, and scholars would tell us that this is God giving Balaam what he wants, even though it's not what he should do. And there are times that that happens. We'll talk about that in a second. So verse 21, the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way that God is going to block Balaam's attempt to get somewhere that God does not want him to go. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey, bolt, this, is, this is a true story. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. 24, then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by. What, what great terminology. Tried to squeeze by. And crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. I think this is such an amazing metaphor that we do ourselves such harm when we try to force something that we're not supposed to force in our life. So Balaam beat the donkey again. 26, then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. And in a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Now listen, when I moved to Louisville 13 years ago, I knew nothing about horse racing at all. Uh, I don't know a ton about horse racing now, but I'm, I'm learning a few things about horse racing. And one of the things that I've learned is that you cannot beat the horse all the way around the track, that you gotta pick and choose your times. And as I'm reading through this, I'm just getting this image uh, uh, that we go through life, or even like a jockey, and we're so frustrated about our situation that we're just beating our horse to death. We're beating our donkey to death, right? And so let's just keep reading a little bit more. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. God can speak through anything. What have I done to you? The donkey's saying now. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam. And Balaam says back to the donkey, you have made me look like a fool, which is interesting. Balaam, shout, Balaam shouted, if I had a sword with me, I would kill you. And verse 30, the donkey talks back in the most rational uh, intelligent, logical way. But I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted, and I know my mind works crazy, but I just imagine Balaam sitting there and like the donkey's having a conversation and I, I just imagine Balaam sitting there like, no. <laughs> like, can you just see it? Like this conversation and the donkey's like, have I ever done this? And Balaam's like, well, no, I mean, right? Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. He opened his eyes 
And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. And Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Why did you beat your donkey those three times, the angel of the Lord demanded? And then the angel says this words, and we'll stop right here. Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Here's what I wanna do for just a few minutes we have left. You got a pen, write these things down. I'm gonna give you three things that are true about doors in our life. Three things that are true about doors in our life, open and closed doors in our life. When God is trying to, to take us to a new place or a new season or different circumstance in our life that we can take away from this story that I think it's just so applicable to where we are. And the first, the first thought is this, is that sometimes God gives me what I want. Sometimes God gives me what I want. This, this would be those times when I'm praying for God to open the door and God wants to open the door. These are our favorite kind of open doors. This is when we pray about something and quickly the prayer gets answered. We get the job, we get the girl, we get the house, we get accepted to the college. Like we, we, we prayed about it, we wanted it and we got it and it's like, and we got it pretty quickly and these are those amazing moments when we're just sky high in our faith and our spirituality because God gives us what we want. He opens the door that we want opened. And, and, and hear me, like God, who is our heavenly father who loves us, like there are times in life when he will do this for us. That God is not always up in heaven resisting what we want that there are times when what we want aligns with what God wants and, and, and things go well for us. Or other times where it's not an either or scenario and good things happen in our life, like those things happen and they're okay to pray for and they're okay to want and you don't need to feel bad because you want a better job and you're praying for a better job and when you get the job but your other friends haven't got the job or when you get pregnant but they haven't got pregnant or when you get married and they haven't gotten married, you don't have to feel bad about the fact that God has been good to you. That should cause you to worship him more and to be glad that God has been so good to you. It's not the only reason we worship, but it is a reason that we worship. The song we sang today said, I'm grateful. And so as you look today on your life and you're able to look back and say, you know, as I look back on my life, there have been so many times where God has been good to me and he has done for me the things that I have asked him to do. And that should cause us to stop and to thank him and to worship him and to be grateful for the things that he's done in our life. And so sometimes God gives me what I want. But number two, sometimes God keeps me from what I want. Sometimes God gives me what I want. I want that door open, God says yes and the door opens. But sometimes God keeps me from what I want and this is when I want a door open but God keeps it closed. You cannot pray for open doors without also praying for closed doors in your life. These are no fun. They're incredibly frustrating. They cause us to doubt. They cause us to question our faith. They cause us to question God. They cause us to cry. They cause us to keep coming up for prayer every Sunday for somebody to pray with us so that circumstances will change. These are those prayers that we pray driving home from work or another Friday night on the couch. God, what is going on? Why isn't this happening? Why haven't you given me what I want? Why isn't my life turned out better? And sometimes God keeps me from what I want. Some of the, the, the best 
Some of the greatest blessings that God has done for you and I in our lives is to not answer some prayers that we have prayed. We may not know what those are at this moment, but some of them we know. Some jobs that we desperately wanted that we cried because we didn't get, or a job that we got fired from that we were praying to get a promotion or whatever it is. We could give all kinds of examples, relationships we wanted to be together, but they broke apart or, or really tragic situations in our life. Sometimes that those are the greatest blessings because God keeps us from what we want. Sometimes God closes doors to protect us. Sometimes God closes doors to redirect us, that if we would have gone through this door, that would have been okay, but God had something better, so he redirects us. And, and sometimes God closes doors to keep us for, from settling for, for good enough, because there's something better. And so as we are praying, you and I are praying to God for signs and circumstances to change and doors to open, we also need to be aware that God knows what's best for us and that God may be keeping doors closed on our behalf for our good. And we should be just as grateful for those as the open doors, and we should worship just as much for those as the first door. It's really hard to do, especially when you get into really tragic situations. Death, loss, that somehow we have to come to God and to say, God, you give and you take away. But blessed be your name. You're good all the time. Even when I don't feel like it's good, you're good all the time. These are those moments where we really reveal the maturity of our faith and our relationship with God because we say, God, I did not get what I wanted, but I want you more than I want anything else. And that, that's, that's a second scenario. But let me give you one more. Sometimes God gives me what I want. Sometimes God keeps me from what I want. But number three, sometimes God gives me what I don't know I want. Sometimes God gives me what I want. Sometimes God keeps me from what I want, but sometimes God gives me what I don't know I want. And this is probably one of my favorite aspects of God. Matthew chapter six, verse 32 tells us that our heavenly father knows what we need. That he knows what we need better than we know what we need. And parents in the room, you've heard me use this analogy before, but if I were to take my children to the grocery store and I would say, what do you need? They're gonna say Little Debbie's, Lunchables, Fruity Pebbles. And hear me, they honestly believe that they need it. They're not trying to be silly. In their minds at five years old, they believe that they need those things. But as their father, I know that's not what they need, that's what they want. And it's okay to want those things. We're probably gonna get the Fruity Pebbles, honestly, but... That it's okay that they want those things, but they think they need those things, but as their father, I know that that's not a need, that's a want. And then there are other times when I will get them something that they don't think that they need, but then eventually down the road, they realize, wow, this was a really great gift, mom and dad, thank you so much. I mean, I didn't really want a new outfit for Christmas, but man, I, this is a great outfit, or this, I needed you know, this in my life, or 
whatever it is. And so God as our heavenly father is the same way. These are blessings that come from circumstances we would have never chosen. But as we look back in our life, we realize that God knew what we needed or what we would want better than, than, than we would. And, and one of the greatest examples of this is really in the sovereignty of God through marriage. And every time I get a chance to perform a wedding, I always give this example because we marry someone based on what we believe they are now. But God knows what we will need in our spouse 10, 20, and 30 years from now that we haven't even taken time to process. And so as someone who's been married for 13 years, yeah, 13 years, it runs together. Sorry, a lot of, a lot of ages and years and anything. Anyway, just pray for me. But um, as someone who's been married for 13 years, there are gifts and qualities and characteristics in my wife that I am so grateful for that never crossed my mind 13 years ago that I would ever need or want in a wife. But man, I'm glad that she has them and that God provided her to me. And that's an example where God gives me what I didn't even know that I wanted. For some of you, there's been some circumstances in your life through complications with children or complications with your personal health or complications with jobs, career, whatever it is. And there's complications and they're so inconvenient to your life, but what you have not realized yet or will eventually realize is that God was giving you what you didn't even know you wanted. Even in moments where you're like, I don't want this. God knows what he's doing. And he, he will clear our path or he'll block our path. But regardless of the outcome, we come back to God and we worship him because the point of it all is to know him and to have relationship with him, not to get a sign or a lightning bolt or a word from our pet or whatever. It's to know him more than we wanna know what it is that we should do. And so we, we are thankful to God for speaking to us through doors and signs and circumstances in our life. Let's pray.